Welcome to Jim Lang's Retire Secure Podcast, where smart money talks. Throughout his career, Jim Lang has made it a priority to provide his clients, readers, and friends with useful, cutting-edge information, as well as peer-reviewed financial and tax planning strategies, so that they can make the most educated decisions and really get the most out of what they've got. We hope you enjoy the following special read broadcast from the Lang Vault. And please stay with us until the end so you don't miss more information on how we can help you protect your wealth and ensure your family's financial security for the next generation. And now, Jim Lang. So do we have any questions on the distribution stage, Erica? We definitely have a bunch more questions. Let me see if I can find some distribution phase specific questions. Um, we had one question from um, Elise. This is about the contribution side. She actually had a few questions and um, she is a professor, Jim, and one of the non-question questions or one of the questions that Brian already kind of answered, but that I thought you could expand on. But she said that she has a TIAA plan. She was wondering if we had any particular expertise in that. And um, we do. And in fact, Jim's uh, the ARC, the advanced reader copy of the professor book, which is one of the digital bonuses from today's session, actually has several TIA specific chapters, at least. Um, but I think Jim can probably expand on that. But she one of her questions was, are there any limits on my age regarding doing a Roth conversion after I retire? Um, no, there's you could you can do Roth IRA conversions until you're literally, um, you, you actually, you can even do inherited Roth 403Bs even after you're dead. I don't want to get into that, but we have on more than one occasion done what we call deathbed Roth IRA conversions. Um, usually they're not that dramatic. In one case, there was. In, in one case, we literally had the Roth IRA conversion signed while the person was literally on their deathbed in the hospital when the spouse said, oh, we got it done. And we saved hundreds of thousands of dollars for that family. So there is no uh, age limit, if you will, for Roth IRA conversions. Obviously, that was done purely with estate planning in mind. Um, usually, it makes more sense to get into the Roth IRAs much earlier. Uh, regarding TIAA, uh, we spend a lot of time in practice on TIA. Uh, as you might imagine, I'm pretty opinionated, not just about TIA, but about most everything else financially. And again, I would like to say, though, that my opinions are backed up with math, etc. Uh, we have some very unique opinions on TIAA. That is part of your uh, bonus. By the way, that bonus is a sleeper because even though it's an advanced reader's copy, uh, called Retire Secure for Professors. It has most of my, let's say, most recent up-to-date thinking on a lot of things. So don't ignore that, that bonus. Uh, so I guess this is a preview of what some of the bonuses are because you see Retire Secure for Professors. You could just skip those couple chapters, uh, replace professor with IRA or retirement plan owner for the rest of it and get a lot of good information. So why don't we take one more and then we will move on. Perfect. And actually, Wen Tao's question is very specific to the distribution phase. So that's kind of perfect for what you were asking for before. 
Um, and Wentow asks, for a retired couple who may work part-time, uh, shall we spend the extra earnings or put them into a Roth IRA and draw from our IRA to cover our expenses? Well, that, that, that's a good question. I, I thought it was going to be, should we put money in Roth IRA or should we just spend the money? Um, you know, I, Susie Orman comes on. And, and by the way, Susie's, most of her advice is, is relatively sound, but sometimes it's a little bit like entertainment. Like the guy says, well, I'm in debt up to my ears and, you know, I don't know how I'm going to meet, meet my next paycheck. But I, I saw this great deal on a boat. Should I put, should I buy the boat or should I pay down some of my debt? And then Susie says, eh, pay down debt, put money in your retirement plan. I thought it was going to be a question like that. Uh, should you take money out of your IRA to put money in your Roth IRA? If you work out the math on that, subject to relatively obscure things that, happen after you're 72 in estate planning. Um, the math on it is it's a break even. So I would say in general, it does not make sense. Uh, I will give you one sleeper strategy that we're gonna talk about later uh, in the Roth program, where we actually, um, and, and it works mathematically, let's say that you're broke in terms of liquid, liquid money. You just don't have any after-tax dollars, but you want to make a Roth IRA conversion because you see the math on it is so favorable. Um, but, what, but it doesn't make sense to trigger income from your IRA to make a Roth conversion. So what sometimes makes sense is you need some after-tax dollars to pay for the Roth conversion. And one of the ways to get those after-tax dollars is to actually borrow money from your house. So you get a home equity loan, um, you take whatever is appropriate, you use that money for either your spending or to pay taxes on a Roth IRA, and then you ultimately pay the uh, home equity loan off or you never pay it off. Now, a lot of people right now are going, ooh, get it going back into debt. We spent 30 years paying off that mortgage and now Jim wants us to go back into debt. And that would be a perfect example where the math might make sense, but it doesn't pass the stomach test. And I would say if you have to pass just one of those two tests, either the math test or the stomach test, I would rather pass the stomach test. So if it would bother you to take money on a home equity loan to pay expenses or to um, pay taxes on a Roth IRA conversion, then don't do it. You know, it's more important to be able to sleep well at night than to absolutely maximize your retirement plan. On the other hand, sometimes if you see the numbers, and, and I wouldn't, by the way, say this if you were in jeopardy of losing your house. So, you know, Dave Ramsey would be going crazy if he heard this because his big thing is going to retirement with a paid up house. And that makes a lot of sense for people that have a more limited income and a more limited portfolio. But for a lot of people on this call that might have a million dollars or more in their retirement plan and, and potentially other monies, uh, sometimes it does make sense to do some of these strategies, things that are a little bit outside the box that you don't think about. Um, and that's one of the purposes of this webinar to talk about some things that you sometimes people don't think about. Uh, we just bought a house and we had we had a builder and he came in and he said, oh, you know, you can put a, you can have this great spot 
for your hot tub outside the fence. And I thought, wow, he's thinking literally outside the box. That's terrific. I never thought about that. He saw that deeper than I did. Then we had an architect and he said, no, let's just move the fence. <laughs> it's funny. I never thought about that. And in many ways, I'm trying to present information that sometimes people didn't think about, even if they understood some of the basics. So anyway, long-winded answer to that question. Why don't we take one more and then move on? Great. Um, and also, Jim, I I just I, when you were going before talking about uh, different strategies working for for people with different income from different locations in retirement, I also could not help but think that that is also part of not just the value of these workshops, but also the value of the services that we offer because we work with so many people who have so many funds specifically in their tax deferred retirement plans and that those strategies might be particularly good for them. So, all right, not to continue to uh, to tout our services before you have even pitched them, but I just could not help myself. Um, we had another question from Samuel, and he said, is the contribution of 16,000 to an ABLE account tax deductible? Um, no, it is not. So, uh, the, the, by the way, so he, here's, here's what we know of the person who's asking that question. They have a child with a disability. Um, and by the way, if you have a child with a disability, one of your biggest worries in life is not only taking care of your child while you are alive, but also, in, in, in our case, it might be even a bigger problem, um, <clears throat> taking care of your child alive, at least financially, I'm not so worried about while my wife and I are alive, but also to make sure that we are leaving her enough money that she can live comfortably the rest of her life, including paying for all her medical expenses that might not be covered by regular insurance or, or even Medicare. Um, so we are talking about a situation where this gentleman is obviously saying, okay, I am interested in building uh, a, a nest egg for my child. Can I deduct that $15,000 that I will put in that will grow income tax free? And, and, and by the way, that would be like an HSA where you get a tax deduction going in, it grows tax free, assuming that you take it out for qualifying medical expense. Um, in this case, what he's saying is, gee, is the ABLE account that I'm putting money in for my child with a disability, do I get a tax deduction for it? And the answer is no, you don't. Just like you don't get a tax deduction for a 529 plan, just like you don't get a tax deduction when you, uh, you get a Roth IRA or do a Roth IRA conversion, in which case it's actually the opposite, you have to pay the tax, but it is still a good idea because the 529 plan is wonderful from a tax standpoint, it, you, you get tax-free growth on the money, assuming that you um, are, uh, uh, you get tax-free growth on the 529, assuming that eventually when the distribution comes out, it is for a qualifying educational expense. Um, and the same with the ABLE account, which is even more liberal in what purposes the money is allowed to come out tax-free because it would be for the general support of the disabled child, um, 
but can you deduct it? Good try. I love larceny of the heart. That's what, that's what a professor of mine used to call trying to squeeze the last drop out of the tax act. And that's certainly what we, we, we want to do. We want more money for you. We want more money for your family. We want more money for the charities and the causes that you support and less money for the IRS. But anyway, uh, sorry, couldn't answer the way you probably wanted me to answer, but that is the, uh, the rule. So I will talk a little bit more about how you could potentially work with us at the end. But um, since we usually get a, a whole bunch of people who are interested, and I'm not 100%, but to a large extent, we do take people on a first-come, first-served basis. And let's say that you say, yep, I want to talk with this guy. I'm interested in either assets under management or I'm interested in a financial master plan. Um, I will ask Brian to put up a link that will, uh, let's say, start the process. We do send you a questionnaire. We do ask for a lot of information. Um, and by the way, this isn't for everybody, not only because uh, <clears throat> I might not be able to help you. I'm, if I don't think I can help you a lot, I will probably just say, hey, uh, we're not a great match. And that might be for a number of reasons. Um, but anyway, if I so you don't have to worry that, gee, Jim's going to take me as a client. I'm going to pay him all this money and we're not going to get the value. I'm at the agent stage of my life where I have so much work, good work. And to me, good work is not only working with nice people. And by the way, that's part of it, too. You know, I'm not I don't want to work with people who are miserable. I don't want to even go near a courtroom. You come to me and say, hey, my two kids are going to fight after I die. Um, can you figure out a, a, a great plan for me? I would say, yeah, the great plan is to use some other state attorney because I don't want to, I don't even want to know where the courtroom is. Uh, that's not the kind of law I like to practice. I'm a business guy. I like to save taxes and I like to have things uh, float smoothly. Um, anyway, you don't have to worry that I'm going to take your money. You're not going to get value. But if you are interested um, in this in this complimentary uh, consultation, we do have a million dollar minimum, and depending on how much money you have, it might be a certain percentage of that um, investable assets. Um, we have a couple slots left, although it's become really popular. These fifteen thousand dollar financial master plans. These are maybe for people who are either very happy with their advisor, who is not giving them the kind of um, let's call it the financial master plan, best way to accumulate, best way to distribute, uh, looking at your wills and your trusts and making recommendations, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, people have found enormous value with that. Um, anyway, more on the, uh, <clears throat> we call it a retire secure consultation, more on that at the end. But if somebody wanted to cut in line, I wanted to give you that opportunity now. So I'll ask Brian to put up uh, some link for that, and it, it starts, by the way, with us sending you a questionnaire. We also send you literally a box of financial information um, that will, let's say, help you prepare for the um, meeting with me. And then, um, then assuming I think I, we can help you quite a bit, because I'm again I'm not going to take um, somebody on as a client unless I think I can provide a lot more. Uh, value than we are charging. And I would say, do, do I like our money managers? Absolutely. Do I think that, is there any any financial 
group that I think could do a better job managing the money, even forgetting all the strategic advice. And I would look you straight in the digital eye and tell you, no, I don't think there's anybody better um, than our money manager using the set of funds that he does with his own 40-step process. But you get him and you get us all for 1% or less. So again, I don't think there's a better deal out there. But anyway, if you want to sign up, you could do that now. Okay, back to the, oh, actually, since maybe this is a breaking point before we get to um, the next area, which is the Secure app. So Erica, do we have one or two more questions? We definitely have a few more questions. So um, let's see, we had a question uh, from, another question from one Tao who asks, um, for excess 529 funds uh, due to a, a child getting a scholarship, is it better to keep it growing for future generations or take it out and pay the taxes? And the context of this is that they're trying to do a Roth IRA and they plan to leave all of the Roth to their children. So it looks mm -hmm. like, like children and grandchildren they're planning for, sorry. Okay, so, so here's the deal with the 529 plan. Let's say that you overfund the 529 plan and there will be money left over for the beneficiary um, of the 529 plan. And by the way, when I say beneficiary, that includes other beneficiaries that you can transfer the 529 plan. So you could set it up for sibling number one who may get a scholarship or doesn't need it or is overfunded and it can be shifted to sibling number two or even first cousin number one, first cousin number two, et cetera, if you're thinking about, let's say, grandkids. Um, but let's assume that even with all that transferring, there's still too much money. You can, as the question implies, take the money out. The growth on that money is going to be taxable and it's going to be subject to a penalty. Now, I've actually run the numbers on this particular issue and the break-even point, if you will, that is if you put money into a 529 plan and you take it out, paying the taxes on the growth and the penalty, uh, depending on your assumptions, is roughly 24 years. Now, what would be my preference in most situations? If you, are, and let's say that you're setting it up for your kids, and let's say there's money left over for your kids. Well, rather than paying the taxes and the penalty, if one of your kids either has or is likely to have uh, children of their own, I'd rather just keep that money going um, and continue the 529 tax-free growth. And then hopefully one of your grandkids will uh, use that money when tuition is going to be a million dollars a year. So, well, I'm being a little bit facetious, but tuition's going through the roof. Um, it would be a great thing for a grandchild to have 529 plans. By the way, most of our clients are at the age where they're not thinking about 529 plans for their children. They're thinking about 529 plans for their grandchildren anyway. And potentially, you put money in a 529 plan for a grandchild, let's say to get back to the context of the question, um, and there's still money left over uh, after the grandchild graduates, um, you could consider just leaving it in there for the great-grandchild 
or again, maybe a cousin or uh, someone else. Again, why don't we take one more and then we will. We hope you've enjoyed this special edition of Jim Lang's Retire Secure Podcast, where smart money talks. If you've had your questions answered and would like to schedule an appointment to meet with Jim, call our offices at 1-800-387-1129. That number again is 1-800-387-1129. And if you would like to attend one of Jim's upcoming virtual events, go to paytaxeslater.com forward slash webinars. That address again is paytaxeslater.com forward slash webinars to reserve your virtual spot today.